Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians is a letter that the Apostle Paul, the same one who wrote the letter of Philippians, he wrote another letter. Remember, he wrote 13 letters, and this is one of the letters that he wrote. And he wrote it to churches in Galatia. That's why it's called Galatians. Galatia was a region, kind of like South Florida's a region. Galatia was a region. And in the region of Galatia, there were several churches. Some believe uh, tens and tens of churches, hundreds maybe, uh, churches. Uh, some of those, Paul himself uh, is the one who founded these churches, is the one who started these churches. Remember, Paul was a preacher man, a passionate preacher man. Everywhere he went, he preached. Uh, people got saved. People got baptized. Churches were started. It was just amazing. And uh, so in this region, he started a bunch of churches, and they kept multiplying. So here he's writing to several of them. So possibly he's writing to thousands of people here in this letter. And he's addressing something very important. In fact, if you read this letter from the beginning, he's actually a little bit, like, like bothered. He's actually a little bit upset. Uh, because something is happening in the region of Galatia that he cannot believe it. In fact, in chapter 1, as he's beginning the letter, he says, I'm, I'm astounded. I'm, I'm shocked. I can't believe this is happening. In, in chapter 3, he actually says, oh, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Another translation says, who put a hex on you? He, he, he's like, who got you to believe this? And what happened, false teachers were going into this region and we're trying to discredit everything that Jesus did and everything that Paul taught. And a lot of people in the churches, a lot of believers were actually following this brand new false teaching and were discrediting Jesus and the gospel. How many know the gospel is always good news? Some people think that it's too good to be true, so they get you to believe something else. And I think in today's world, the same thing happens. Grace, it is too good. I can't understand it, so I must try something else. And Paul begins to explain what the law was all about. And here he's explaining and wrapping it up in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. We're just going to read seven verses, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent who? His son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Come on, how good are those seven verses right there? I'm going to try to explain that in the next uh, 29 minutes and 8 seconds. And then we'll worship Jesus one more time and then go grab some lunch. Everybody cool with that? And it's going to be an awesome day. I pray that today maybe you're, you're, you're a little bit upset. Maybe you're a little bit down. Your head is down because you're saying, Alex, I don't have a dad or I had a bad relationship with my dad. My prayer is that today your eyes will be open to let you know that you have a father in heaven who loves you more than you can imagine. And he's not just a father. He's a good father. He's not just a good father. He's a good, good, good father. He's the perfect father. And I don't know what your concept is of God. I don't know what your idea, your picture is of God. But today, as we lean into what Paul is saying, I'm praying that you leave out of here saying, I have a father. 
And uh, that's the title of my message today. You can write that down if you're taking notes. In heaven, they are going to check notes, so make sure you write a lot. But I have a father. And my prayer is that today we will realize we do have a father in heaven. Amen? Again, happy Father's Day to every single dad in this place. And thank you for all you do. We need, we need more fathers. Uh, we need more fathers and we need more, more sons, people who know how to be good sons. And a lot of times we have a good father, but we don't know how to be good sons and good daughters. And God is a good father, and sometimes we're not good sons, and we don't understand our relationship with him. I just want to say happy Father's Day to my hero, my best friend, my coach, my pastor. I love you. And ah, let's pray. Come on, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, your grace. We thank you for how good you are, God. You are a good father. We pray that today as we lean into your word, God, that you would speak to us, that you would open up our eyes to show us who you are. God, we love you. Thank you for this space. Thank you for this auditorium where we can come in and worship you and know you better, God. We, we pray that today you would reveal yourself to us in an awesome way, in a brand new way. We want to know you better, God, and know you as our Father. I pray for any person that's hurting this morning, God, because of relationship with their dad or their father, God. I pray that today they would realize they have a Father in heaven, God. We thank you. I pray that you would heal hearts, open up eyes in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for this city. Thank you for the city of Miami. Thank you for this Kendall campus and everybody on team, everybody on Dream Team, people who serve. Thank you for our media team, sound team, lights team. Thank you for our hosts. Thank you for greeters. Thank you for kids ministry. Thank you for our city campus over there in Winwood. Thank you for that team over there and everything that they do weekend in and week out. God, we're grateful for this church, this community. We're grateful for our city, God. We're thankful that you made KD a champion, God. We believe that he is your son and you are his father. And we're grateful that the Golden State Warriors are champions. And we believe that uh, you will bring LeBron back with D. Wade and Chris Paul. We will have a super team once again and go to the finals and bring a trophy back. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Oh, come on. All God's people say. Come on. Can you give Jesus one more shout of praise? Come on. All over this place. Come on, all over the overflow. I was, uh, I was born and raised in Miami. Anybody born and raised in Miami? Let me see. Born and raised. Let me see. Raise your hands. Okay, I would say a good 50%. Uh, born and raised in Miami. And uh, I think there's nothing like living in the city that you were born in because you, you know your city well, right? Like nobody can tell you where something is located at because you're like, bro, I, I've lived here my whole life. I know where I'm at. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So the other day I was driving with a friend, and he was driving. I was in the passenger seat, and uh, we're trying to tell him how to get to a certain place. And we were running a little bit late, and so we're trying to tell him which routes to uh, go. And he's like, listen, I was born and raised in Miami. You cannot tell me where to go. I know these streets better than the people who built them. It's like, it was Ricky. Everybody knows Ricky. He's like, yeah. He's not here today. I don't know where he's at, but um, I think he overslept. He's a good, good father. <laughs> he's looking for a ride. He's looking how to get here. But so we started telling him about Waze. Have you heard about Waze? Anybody heard about Waze? So Waze, if you don't know what it is, it's an app that you can download on your phone. And Waze will tell you how to get to a certain location faster and better than anything you could ever imagine or ever thought. I thought I knew Miami. I thought I knew the streets until I downloaded Waze. I really believe Waze came from God. It will tell you 
Anybody tried it? Come on. Anybody tried it? It's the best. It will tell you where traffic is. It will tell you how to avoid traffic. In fact, there's a city where they are trying to block it, and they're trying to make it illegal because it's sending a bunch of people through a neighborhood, and it's a residential neighborhood, a quiet neighborhood, and now there's like hundreds of cars going through there because it's an easy route for them to uh, go to their, their place, to, to go home. And so they're trying to ban it, and I'm just like, no, I don't care. I'm going to enjoy ways. I'll go through your residential area all day honking the horn, too, and I'm going to get there faster. And so we're telling our friend, Ricky, we're like, hey, have you downloaded Waze? You know, we could have been there already if you just listen to Waze. And he's like, bro, listen, I'm born and raised in this place. I was born and raised in Miami, the bottom, the crib, 305 Dolly. You already know. And he goes, you can't tell me. Waze does not know Miami better than me. And I'm trying to tell him it works through satellites and it teaches you where traffic is and all these things. And he's just like, no, 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 I know my routes I know my methods, and I better rely on this than on a new thing that I don't understand too well. Isn't it funny? This is like human tendency. We, we tend to rely more on what we know, old patterns of thinking, old ways that we're used to, instead of a new and improved way. This is the human tendency. We do this a lot. For example, there's some people who to this day have never sent out a text message. They're like, ah, what is this, writing on a phone and sending texts? No, I'll call you, okay? You think I'm a 305, whatever, I will call you. I'll make a phone call. What is this whole thing about texting? They, they rely on an older method because they don't understand this new and improved method. Some people, some of you know them, have never sent an email in their life. They're just like, an email? What is that? No, I'll grab a piece of paper, I'll write a letter, and I'll send it through the mail. But through the computer, I don't understand this new thing. And, this is a human, human propensity. We, we tend to go to what we're used to. And it takes us a while to get used to something new, especially something new and that is improved. You know, church, if we are not careful, we can bring this same propensity into our relationship with God and our trust with Jesus. Instead of trusting in Jesus and understanding that we are saved through faith, we say, wait a minute, no, 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 I got to go back to my old ways when I was trying in my own strength, when I was trying to behave my way into heaven, when I was trying to behave my way into a relationship with God. God, he's a good God. What is this thing about grace? I don't understand it. I'd rather try it on my own. I'd rather try it on my own strength. I'd rather try it on my own knowledge. I got to try harder. I got to do better. And we fail to understand that grace is a gift from God. We are saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. Come on, it is the gift of God. It is salvation. There's nothing that we could do on our own. We can't earn it. We can't behave our way into heaven. We could just receive it. It is a free gift. Often we're just like, no, 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 no. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean God is good? Alex, I, I messed up this week. Alex, I, I did wrong this week. And so we come into a space like this, into an area like this that we call church where we worship God and we say, today, ah, I can't lift up my hands. Today, I can't worship because I'm bad. And this week, I just got to try harder. And if I try harder and if I pray a little bit more and if I do a little bit more devos, then, then God will love me. God as a father, no, I don't know if God is really a good father. He must be angry at me. In fact, we're singing good, good father, and our hands are in our pockets, and we can't even worship because we're just thinking about what we did this past week, and we're thinking, God, he must be so upset at me. God must be angry at me. And instead of trusting in the grace 
of Jesus, instead of trusting in the grace, the gift of God, that we are now, we are, righteousness has been imputed on us, and God sees us as his son, and we have a father and son and daughter relationship with God. We see ourselves in the old method, saying this week i got to try harder, do better, i got to behave better. And so we neglect the grace of God, and we go back to our old ways. This is what Paul is addressing to the churches in Galatia. Remember, Paul started these churches. And after he started these churches, he moved on to other parts of the known world to continue to preach. Remember, he was a preaching machine. Everywhere he went, he preached. He preached to baristas at Starbucks. He preached to people at Chipotle. They were making a burrito and getting saved at the same time. Like, Paul was that guy. And uh, Paul was passionate about Jesus, and he started churches everywhere. In this region, he started a whole bunch of churches, and they were flourishing. They were doing amazing. They had parking teams and greeter teams and cafe teams. These churches were doing phenomenal. But after a while, some false teachers, false apostles, they were going into this region, and they started to discredit everything that Jesus did. They said, Jesus, no, he's not enough. What Jesus did on the cross, no, that's not true. Grace, no, that is too good to be true. Don't believe Jesus. And don't believe Paul. You have to live under the law again. And they were telling the churches in Galatia, go back to the law. Go back to Judaism. Not grace. What do you mean you're saved through faith? What do you mean in the grace of God? Go go back to the law. Go back to what God gave us through Moses. Go back to the Levitical law. That's how you are saved. And, And they were telling the males that they had to get circumcised. Any males in here glad for the grace of Jesus? Amen. And And... And they were saying, you have to live, <laughs> you have to live under this, under this law. And the law, it started out as a great thing, but then it became a burden to so many people. God gave ten commandments to Moses on a mountain, if you remember. And after that, the Levitical law was formed, which was an additional 613 laws. And it told us how to live. And it told the Jewish people what they should eat and not eat, what they should wear and not wear. And there was a whole bunch of laws on what days they had to do certain things and what days they had to observe and rituals and rules and regulations. It was a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. And this is how the Jewish people were living. They were living under 613 laws. And as long as you kept the 613 laws, then you were okay with God. Some of us are like, I can barely keep up with 10. 613. (laughs) It, It was crazy. And Paul says, this is what you want to go back to? Paul says, you want to go back to 613 laws of do's and don'ts? He's saying, what's wrong with you? Who went into these churches and started teaching these things? Who told you that this is better than the grace of God? Who told you that this is better than the gift of God? It was rules, regulations, and rituals that tried to save you, but really it was only a mirror to try to show you that you needed God. And he says, the laws actually, after a while, it burdened people like a heavy load on their shoulders. And it said, it actually wore them down. And Paul is saying, you're going back to that? You know what Paul calls it in the Greek? He actually says, you're going back to elementary type stuff. He says, you're going back to the ABCs of our faith. Whoa. Whoa. He says, we've graduated. We are now in the grace of God through Jesus. And you're going back to elementary stuff, right? Some of us will do the same thing. Some of us will be like, what was wrong with these churches? We read this and we're like, why did they want to go back to the law? God's grace is so good. 
And we celebrate the grace of God. And we come into a place like this and we're just like, God, you're awesome. But the minute we have a bad week, we go back to the ABCs. Of the minute we mess up one week, we say, God, I, I'm sorry, I messed up. I, you know what? I, I have to try harder. And we, and we reduce our salvation to a behavior type of salvation. And if I can behave better, then God loves me. And if I don't do certain things, then I'm accepted by God. And we walk into a place like this and we say, God, oh, today I can maybe worship you. Are you angry at me? And we see God as a judge with a finger pointing at us. I want to tell you he's not a judge that is pointing, but he's a father with arms open wide, ready to love you, ready to accept you. This is what he did through Jesus. Alex, how do I know God's a good father? Because he's not pointing a finger in Jesus. He showed us his arms stretched wide when he went up to a cross and he says, I love you this much. You're accepted in me. It is grace through faith. What is grace? Grace is became and become. Jesus became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. You are not saved by your behavior. We're not righteous because we're good. It doesn't matter what clean week we had. We're saved through the grace of Jesus. It is grace through faith. And so people, people put these burdens on us, and they just said, hey, you had a bad week. Hey, you, you need to do better. How, how can you come in here, church, looking like that? How can you come to church after what you did this past week? If we're not careful, our church, then the picture that we paint of God is a judgmental finger instead of uh, arms all stretched wide. And so people feel bad, and people are like, oh, this week I... I can't go to church. Today, I can't go into this place. If I go in there, this place is going to burn down. God is angry at me. He's, he doesn't even want to receive my worship. And if we're not careful, this is how we go back to the ABCs of faith. And Paul says we are through with that. It is grace. What we couldn't do, Jesus did for us, and now we live in him. I want to tell you today that what you wear does not save you. What you don't wear doesn't save you. What you eat doesn't save you. What you don't eat doesn't save you. A day that you pretend to put aside doesn't save you. What saves you is Jesus. Putting your faith in Jesus. It is grace through faith in what Jesus did on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. It is the only way to be saved. So we say, oh, we go back to these behaviors. And Paul is saying, you got it all wrong. Paul says, why are you going back to this? Why are you going back to do's and don'ts? Why are you going back to rules, regulations, and rituals? And he begins to explain what law is. He says, I want you to know the law was a temporary thing. The law wasn't meant to be permanent. In fact, what he calls the law, he calls it a teacher. He calls it a, 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 what's it called? a guardian. The word that he uses in the Greek is actually a tutor for the law. He says, the law was there to teach you that you couldn't get to God on your own. The law was actually there just to be a mirror to show you that you needed grace from God. So a lot of people, they're just like, oh, well, I kept up all 613. I kept up all 613. You can't keep 613. And what entered was a demonic type of thinking. Because it was pride that was seeping into people. That's why the Pharisees walked around with their head really high. And they said, I'm better than you because I can keep up 613 laws. And you can't. You had a bad week. You can't come into the synagogue. You can't worship God. God doesn't want your offering. God doesn't want your worship. God doesn't want anything from you because you can't keep up 613. Well, you're, you're being prideful, so you just broke one of them. You're down to 612, so you need grace too. At the end of the day, the law was just to show us all of us needed God. And Paul says, hey, this was temporary. It was just the tutor. It was just the guide. It was just the guardian to teach us that we needed God. 
And in chapter 4, he begins to explain it as a child who has an inheritance, an inheritance from a wealthy father, but for some time he cannot receive it. He says, this is what the law was like. Look, look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees and to the time set by his father. He says, so also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. He says, it, it, what I'm saying is this, Paul says, it is like a child that comes into a wealthy family. He's born into a wealthy family with a wealthy, wealthy father. He says, this is what the law was like. That child has no right to his inheritance until he's a full adult son. As a child in the Greek, it's really as a baby, you can't do anything with that inheritance. You can't write a check for a million dollars. You can't keep these bank accounts. You can't do it. You are a baby. How can you handle this inheritance? He says, so for a time being, you are under the same thing as slaves and servants of the house. He says, but when the right time came, oh, now you go into the inheritance of a son. But before, you were a slave to the elemental spiritual thinking of this world. Well, we have to remember, church, this morning, number one, we have to remember that we were slaves. Slaves to this pattern of thinking, slaves to this thought. We were slaves to thinking that we could behave our way to God. We were slaves in thinking that if I try harder, if I do better, if I can behave better, I can get closer to God. And so if we're not careful, some of us in here on a Sunday morning, we can easily go back to being slaves. Well, why not? What do you mean, Alex? Some of us, we base our relationship with God off of our behavior, off of our week, off of what we do, what we don't do, how we think, how we don't think. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to have a superficial relationship with your father. It goes deeper than that. I'm afraid some of us, we still walk in here on a Sunday morning and we're just like, man, this week, I'm going to try harder, God, this week. This week, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm actually going to do four devils a day. And I'm actually, I'm going to do four devils a day. And instead of praying for 15 minutes, I'm going to try to pray for an hour, God. You know, there's some places that teach you that if you don't pray for an hour, you're not spiritual enough. I guess that rules us all out because we pray for an hour every single day. Pray for me. Lay hands on me. Oh, this week, I'm going to do a devotional, 15-minute devotional. And I got to hit these 15 minutes. And if I don't hit these 15 minutes, my God, I, I feel horrible. I'm afraid what we've done is that we've reduced our relationship to God to a devo instead of an everyday thing, every second thing. He is a father. We are sons and daughters. Every single day we're praying. We pray all day with God. We have a relationship with him. You can talk to him in the car. You can talk to him at home. You can talk to him when you're cooking. You can talk to him in your job. You have a relationship and access to a father who loves you all day. It is not an hour. It is not 15 minutes. It's every day that we have with our father. We've reduced it to, have you done your 15 minutes of Devo? Well, no, I didn't. Oh, that I'm a bad person. And God, he's, he's, he's not my father. You know what we do? We also take our earthly fathers, and, and that paints our picture of our heavenly father. And so if my earthly father got upset because I didn't do well in school, because I didn't do well with certain things, if he was a tough dad, if he was rough with me, then we think God is the same. I didn't make dad proud this week. I didn't make dad proud. God is down, up in heaven looking down, and he's upset at me. 
I didn't get straight A's because I didn't do good this week because I, I, I talked back to my wife in a bad way because I had some bad thinking. God, I'm sorry. And it takes for God, how can I make you proud? How can I please you? And this is, we've reduced God to our biological fathers. He's so much bigger than that. Can I tell you that in Jesus, he is already proud of you. It's not based on what you've done. It's not based on what you're doing. It's not based on what you will do when you enter through Jesus and what he did on the cross. You are accepted in the beloved. His righteousness has been imputed on us. We are not saved by how we behave or what we do. He's a father who loves us no matter what. And today, if you walked in here, I want to tell you, God is proud of you. God loves you. God is madly in love with you. God is not upset. God is not mad. He's not pointing a finger. He loves you more than you can imagine. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He's a good God. He's a good father. And he loves his children. And he's here for you. And he's saying, come to me, all who are weary and tired, and I'll give you life. It's a good God. Well, my dad walked out on me, so that must mean God must walk out on me when I do wrong. My dad wanted nothing to do with me after I turned 11 years old, so this must be God. Paul says this is not, this is not the way our relationship with God works. Don't go back to the ABCs. Don't go back to elementary way. He goes, that was just a tutor or guidance for a while. He says, but when Jesus came, he says in verse 4, when the right time came. We could put a Galatians chapter. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. He's telling the Jewish, remember, he's writing to a Jewish audience. He says, when the right time came, a lot of scholars believe that the right time met after a while. When these laws actually became a burden, when they realized they couldn't do it on their own, when they finally understood they needed a mediator, that was the right time. Then God sent a son. And he said he sent his son. Not that he made a son. Jesus is, was, and will always be. He sent the son at the right time. And Jesus came, born of a woman, meaning he was human. And then he was born under the law. Another translation says he was Jewish, meaning he had to live under 613 laws. And where you and I failed in every single one of those laws, Jesus was perfect. And he kept up all 613. What we couldn't do, Jesus did for us. He says, I don't come to abolish the law. I come to fulfill the law. If you want to fulfill the law, live through me. He says that now, through Jesus, we have been saved. We have to recognize what Jesus did. Recognize what Jesus did. What he did on the cross is more than what we could imagine. One person said, I've been thinking about God my father my whole life, and I still haven't come to understand even half of what it means. It goes beyond what our mind can comprehend. Jesus came down. He grabbed all of our sin. He went up on a cross, and he died for us and as us. And on that cross he died, he went down into a grave, and after three days he resurrected Jesus, he's alive. And because of what Jesus says, Paul says, now you receive the spirit of adoption, of sonship. Meaning now you can approach God, not as this, God, I'm, I'm here to worship you, and I'm sorry, and I know you must be angry, and I'm, I don't even know if I can come into this place now. 
He sees us and he sees Jesus and we can come in and say, Father, I worship you. I love you. I thank you that because of Jesus, I can open up my hands and I can open up my heart and I can say, I love you, God. And through Jesus, I'm forgiven for what I did and I'm sorry and I want to serve you all my life. He's a father that you have access to. He's not angry at you. He's madly in love with you and he's saying, come. And he's saying, we received the adoption of sons. Some of us in here today, we got to walk out of here with a different kind of thinking. Alex, I don't understand this thing of grace. None of us could. It's amazing. It is so good. How can a God love us? Who we, we are sinful. We've done wrong. We think wrong. We, the, the day doesn't go by where we don't do wrong things. How? It's grace. Alex, I don't pray enough. I don't read enough. I, I don't do enough. It's okay. He already did it all. Alex, but how? I, I don't understand. How can I come in? I, you don't know everything that I don't, but he does. And he says, trust him on the cross. He said, it is finished. It's not what we can do. It's everything he did. And he says, Paul says, now we've been adopted. We are sons and daughters of God. Whoa. And then he says, now that we've been adopted in verses Six and seven, he says, he sent the spirit of Jesus into our hearts. And it's the same spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. As he's saying this, I want you to know, the Jewish audience is, is, is perplexed. The Jewish audience, they're now like, no, no, wait a minute, Paul. Paul, how can you say this? This is not right. This is actually heresy. You cannot say that we can God call God Abba Father. That's wrong. You've crossed the line now, Paul. You know, some people in the church were saying that Paul was wrong for what he was preaching. Call God Abba Father? How? I want you to know the term Abba, what it means is an intimate relationship with a father at home. Some scholars say it actually represents dad or daddy. It is the word that God, that Jesus used to talk to his father. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and other times of his life when he says, Abba, Father, if you can't take this cup from me, what he's saying is, Dad, Daddy, Jesus had an intimate relationship with his father. He loved his father and his father loved him and he knew he had access to his father and he knew he can come to his father any day. Those of us who were raised with a good dad, we know that we can walk home and we can say, dad, I'm going through this. Dad, this is what we're going through. We'll be 50 years old and we'll still be calling our dad, daddy, papi, I love you. I need you. And Paul is saying, you don't have a father that you can't approach. You don't have a father that you have to stand off. You don't have a father that's away from you because of the spirit of Jesus now in us. We can approach him and we can say, dad, daddy. I need you. I love you. And he's not mad at you. He's going to rush to help you. He's going to be by your side. You are a son. And you are a daughter. And you have a father. And he's a good, good father. Today, lift up your hands and say, Abba, you're my dad. I love you. And you're a good father. And you're by my side. Come on, with hands lifted. Let's sing this out with all we got. Come on. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, your good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. 
some of you in here. Today, I'm praying that the Spirit of God would reveal to you. The Bible says the Spirit gives witness that we are His sons and daughters. It's my prayer today that the Holy Spirit inside of you would reveal to you that you are not an orphan, that you are not a bastard, that you are not alone, that you have a Father in heaven. And He will not leave you, He will not forsake you. And he's always been by your side. You know what a good father does when we're in trouble? Some of us, we've been in a struggle. Some of us, we've, we've struggled with issues in our life. and We've struggled with temptations in our life. And, and we think that a dad, a dad will, will come and say, I can't believe you. I'm, I'm so upset at you. Get, get out of my house. You're, you're out. I don't want nothing to do with you. But the picture I've received of a father is a dad who comes rushing by your side. And he says, you know what? You're better than that. I love you. I believe in you. I got you. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to lay hands on you. And I'm going to say you are a man of God. You are a daughter of God. Your struggle does not define you. Your struggle will not keep you bound. You can pick up your head. You got a father today that's rushing by your side. Maybe you're saying, Alex, I can't. Alex, I've been struggling. I've been down. I've been out. God must be so tired of me. He's not. He's here to pick you up today. He's a good father. Some of you here today, you need to realize, accept that he's a good father. Don't worry about what you've done. He already did it all. With eyes closed and head bowed. All over this place today, I'm praying that people will be set free from an old pattern way of thinking. You don't have to carry around a burden on your shoulders. I got to do better and I got to try more. Maybe if I'm, if I'm on my knees praying for three hours and maybe if I read 50 devotionals and maybe if I behave better. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. Alex, but you have to talk about sin and talk about how God hates sin. I'd rather talk about grace and how much he already did that covered all of our sin. Yes, we're all sinners, and sin separates us, but grace comes and covers all of our sin. He loves us just as we are, and he loves us so much that he won't keep us there. He actually comes to change and make us better day by day, trusting in his grace. With eyes closed and head bowed all over this place. For privacy and concentration, if you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I don't don't know this, Father. I don't know God. I'm far from God. Maybe you walked in here today and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with God. I feel like God is mad at me or upset at me or far away. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Today, if you're tired of looking and trying to search and trying to find peace, can I tell you, it's only found in the person who created you and his name is God. Today, if you're saying, Alex, I want a relationship with God, but I'm far from him and I've made mistakes, you need the grace. What is grace? It's Jesus. Jesus is grace, and he's here today. And I believe the same spirit of Jesus that Paul was talking about is in this place, and he wants to come into your heart so that you can cry out, Abba, Father. You can have a relationship with God. The only way to God the Father is through Jesus, his son. The Bible says we were all sinners, and sin separates us from God, but Jesus came, grabbed your sin, my sin, put it up on a cross, and he died for our sins. 
on the third day he resurrected Jesus is alive he defeated sin and death for you and for me today if you're saying Alex I need I need a brand new start I need forgiveness of my sins today I want to start brand new if you walked away from God if you want a new relationship with God if you're saying today I want a brand new start I want forgiveness I want a brand new beginning with God with every eye closed and every head bowed I'm gonna count to three for privacy and concentration at the count of three if that's you I want you to raise your hand where you're at I'm not gonna embarrass you I'm not gonna single you out it's just an outside declaration of what's happening on the inside you're saying today I need a relationship with Jesus I want Jesus to come into my life the Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord we will be saved if that's you at the count of three raise your hand all over the auditorium all over the overflow one two three raise your hand as high as you can come on lock that elbow as high as you can raise it up raise it up amazing amazing God bless you 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 all over this place God bless you 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 amazing all over the overflow raise your hand all over this place you're saying I I need a relationship with Jesus amazing God bless you with every eye closed and every head bowed come on I want the church praying we're not spectators we're participators God is moving in this place anybody else you raise your hand wherever you're at you're saying today I need Jesus if that's you, if you raise your hands, I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. I want you to say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Forgive me. I am saved. I'm forgiven and I'm healed in Jesus name amen and amen come on church can we put our hands together we hope today's message has encouraged you don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information till next time